Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today we've got a very different episode. Um, it's more of a, a panel interview, panel discussion uh, in honour of International Women's Day. And I have some three uh, fine ladies who are going to share their thoughts on women in leadership, uh, their challenges and some of the, the sort of, I guess, hacks of how they've managed to navigate uh, that whole aspect of being a, a woman in leadership. I've got Tracy, I've got Judy and I've got Rebecca uh, on the show and I'm just going to ask them to introduce themselves. I'll start with you Tracy, if you can introduce yourself. Hi, so I'm Tracy Orst and I am CEO and Principal of West Thames College and I've been in this role now for seven years. Brilliant, thank you. Welcome to the show and Julie. Uh, hello, uh, I'm Julie Capsalis and I'm Acting Principal and Chief Exec of North East Surrey College of Technology. Brilliant, welcome Julie and finally Rebecca. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Convoy and I'm Principal and Chief Exec at East Sussex College based in Eastbourne, Hastings and Lewis. Thank you, Rebecca. Welcome. Uh, so you are all, you've all sort of managed to navigate and become sort of, um, I guess, women in leadership. And that's been a journey for you. And be good to share some of that, some of your uh, wisdom and in helping other people who are looking to sort of, I guess, grow in leadership uh, in the context uh, of what, what you've done. And so I'm going to ask um, Julie first, um, you know, what motivated you to, I guess, become a, you know, a CEO and, 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 how, and what were the sort of barriers and challenges that you faced and, and, and how did you overcome that? I know three questions in one there, but um, uh, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I don't think it was an explicit that I sat down one day and had a cunning plan that I wanted to be a CEO as I stroked my cat in a Machiavellian kind of way. <laughs> um, I think it was points during my career where I recognised or where I was frustrated with how things were going, where I recognised if I was able to move into a position of management or leadership that I might be able to take a project or an organisation in a different way and I think from there you sort of begin to move up up the ladder and then sort of suddenly that that position of the chief exec role is, is suddenly a bit closer than, than you'd ever thought um for me yeah barriers a huge thing and it's something we may touch on on later the whole imposter syndrome um really key for me Another kind of driver, if I'm totally honest, that's always nagged there was, you know, if I go back to, to my time at school, I, I was never a particularly high achiever. And, you know, I think if you read some of my school reports, I, I don't think they they sort of had the view I'd amount very much. And that sort of drove me to kind of prove people wrong that that doubted me or, or that thought I couldn't achieve things. So a little bit of that has, has driven me. But actually, it's less the job title. It's more... When you find yourself in a position, particularly working in education, where you can make a difference to people's lives through education, that's a really privileged position to be in. And I think that's what's driven me, the opportunity to change people's lives through learning. Fantastic. I mean, obviously, becoming a leader 
per se anyway is quite challenging and and what leadership is about is it's a challenging role so you need to be challenged on the way up in terms of how you you progress it'd be interesting to see rebecca what have you found as a from a woman's perspective you know i'm I'm a man as obviously and and i've probably not faced the challenges that you have faced um in in your career and it just be understand in has it been quite obviously that you've been sidelined because you're a woman Hmm. It's a really interesting question because I think I have sought opportunities, have been given opportunities sometimes by men, actually. Um, and early on in my career, had a couple of really key role models and mentors who gave me opportunities and really, I suppose, pushed me to take them and and really supported me and gave me a lot of belief and 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 really a lot of you know they put a lot of faith in me, which was really beneficial and helped me grow and develop. Um, Yes, there have definitely been barriers. I got very used to being underestimated and I decided quite early on that that was someone else's problem and actually not for me to really react too violently to, just keep doing what I'm doing, um, have faith in what I'm doing and, and actually not not seek to adapt myself too much I think we all adapt ourselves naturally and um, as leaders we have to take on different personas at different times to suit different times and places and and moments Um, but actually to, to feel quite confident in being myself and doing things my way and quite I suppose quite determined and you know probably a silk glove was quite a quite a rod of iron there really just to sort of think well I'll, I'll do it my way and I know I, and, and I you know you could well wait 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 and see uh, and 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 that was there was a sort of I suppose a quiet probably quite irritating confidence about me um that I would really urge other 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 people not necessarily just women but I think there is a you know I think you have to be quite um sure of yourself in leadership and open to knowing when you need to learn and open to being clear about when you don't know something and be 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 happy to be vulnerable as well I think that's really important mm. and uh, Julie you mentioned imposter syndrome and I'd like sort of and, and Tracy you nodded there uh I'd be interested to see your thoughts on that and and, and has that been a an internal battle for you and just explain have you experienced that and how have you overcome that in your sort of journey of, of, of leadership? That was to you, Tracy. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of imposter syndrome, absolutely. I think, you know, when I was thinking about obstacles and barriers, I think some of those obstacles and barriers are ones that we put up ourselves. And that's about wanting to be the best we can be. And I think that imposter syndrome is definitely something that I would say I've experienced. And when I talk to others, it's kind of reassuring, I guess, to some extent, that that's how others feel, but also it's a concern that that's how we feel. Um, And, you know, just to give you an example, you know, I would look at something like a job description and I would go, okay, so I might be able to do 95% of that, but that 5%, well, I don't think I should apply it. That 5% is going to be the thing that means that I can't do a job. Um, And I think having that self-belief is is a really important aspect. And as I say, I think imposter syndrome is there. And I think it's one of the biggest barriers internally. And I don't know that, you know, I don't know that you ever really fully 
get over that because I think every time you take on a new challenge or a new opportunity, whichever way you perceive it, there is still a bit of that in there. And I have to say, I'm always quite surprised by how many people actually um, say that's how they feel. And, you know, when we talk about um, kind of gender differences, I think there are some things that, you know, I'm not sure it's down to gender, but actually, if I take that same example around job descriptions, I know there are um, male colleagues who will have picked that up and go, well, do you know what? I could do 50% of that. Of course, I'm going to give it a go. So I think it's a very real thing. And I think it is a barrier for um, for women. And I do think it's something that the more you talk about it and understand that and actually understand what is possible and possible solutions and options coming out of that, because it really shouldn't be the barrier that I think, certainly speaking for myself, I made it I made it become. Yeah, and it's interesting that, I mean, imposter syndrome, I, I think it can be a really healthy thing because it means you're putting yourself outside your comfort zone and it's a position, a sign, I think, and it's just just reframing it that actually you're doing something that slightly needs you needs you requires you to grow. Um, but I take your point on you know the whole job job effort. You know, a bloke will probably be two out of the ten things and think, yeah, I can do that. Um, interesting, isn't it? How and and the, and and the wife, my wife would say the same. Oh, I need I need to have nine or ten of them out to actually apply. So Rebecca, I'd like to understand from your perspective, where do you think that's come from? That sense of lack of self-confidence lack of self-belief mm. that you know a, a woman would say i need to have 95 percent versus mm. a man it's less than 50 percent yeah that's a massive question i think there's probably well i think there's a a social structure that we're all very aware of that um potentially uh doesn't doesn't help us is you know there are there are far too few women in leadership positions therefore few role models for us all to sort of look up to and, and learn from. Um, and I think potentially a sort of a, a, a perhaps a stereotype of leaders as being um, quite, I suppose the traits being traditionally quite sort of male um, dominated, whether they're ma male or females occupying those posts. So I think there's, there's, and I, I, and I hope it's changing. I think that there, are, there is a, a, a tide of confident young women coming through. I look at my daughter uh, and I can't imagine her ever thinking she's going to be an imposter. My goodness, she's quite fearsome. Um, and, and that's really, uh, you know, that, that is, is something that, you know, as educators, we've got a real role to play in, in trying to break that down and building the confidence of, of, of women and actually being quite open in saying um, exactly as we've described, don't look at, at a job description and decide you can't do it. Look at what you, you know, look at what you can do and be bold and jump and leap and, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and really push yourself forward. And, and that, I, I really hope that, you know, as I say, that, that, that things are changing, but, but it, but we can't be complacent because it's, it's certainly, uh, it, it's, it's there. And the more we talk about it, the more we, support each other you know female networks are so powerful and and actually female networks that also include male feminists as well that's really important you know we've got to work together to make sure that um you know we're, we're collectively uh, challenging and supporting each other to progress and, and thrive and grow and learn and all those wonderful things rebecca you mentioned uh, role models there and julia i'd like to get your thoughts on 
on, on role models because yeah, I, I look at you three and, and you're, you're you're great role models for for, for leadership but also for women in leadership and so so Judy what what is the importance to you of role models and and who have been your role models uh, as you've sort of gone on your journey of leadership yeah, hugely important. And, and and some role models are sort of those unattainable, or maybe I shouldn't be saying unattainable, but maybe that's my imposter syndrome. But th- those figures, you know, for, for me, a, a big one is is Michelle Obama. Uh, and something I always channel, you know, if I'm in a difficult situation is, is that brilliant line from her about when they go low, you go high. And that's something I, I use quite a lot. But actually, for me, um, some of the most important role models are are people I work with every day. And and we were just talking about the power of networks. Um, I was lucky enough two years ago to be invited um, on a course for leaders within further education. And I had the imposter syndrome moment in that I wasn't a chief exec at that stage. I was like, I'm going to be surrounded by people that know far more than I do and uh, and I'll be out of my depth um, and actually it was that course two years ago where I had the absolute uh, pleasure of meeting Rebecca and Tracy uh, and a number of other really inspirational leaders from further education and actually it's it's that group of people and there are about eight of us that that have stayed closely in touch who I see as role models who I often see as which in our case, it's not phone a friend, it's it's WhatsApp the group. Um, and, you know, their advice, kindness, uh, support, reciprocity is key to being able to do my job on a, on a weekly basis. So I think it's important with role models that that you, you have a balance of, of role models, those that, that sort of probably are facing some of the same challenges. It could be in a different sector, but but to you who, who can give you that advice but also those aspirational ones. Yeah, and, and role modelling is important. And I, I want to just ask, I'll come to you, uh, Rebecca, in terms of um, how you become a role model yourself within your organisation and the people around you. And, and and what are your thoughts on how you develop leadership and, and per se in, within your organisation? What's your mm. thoughts on that? What's your... I don't know your, whether it's criteria. Do you have biases to battle with, and do you promote more elite women because you're a woman? I, I don't know. But just intrigued to understand that uh, mm. from your point of view, Rebecca. So we've spoken before, Julian, about I suppose being a values-led leader, and and I think it's easily said, but actually to try and live and breathe your values and support people and make the workplace a you know a, whether it be a family-friendly workplace promoting work-life balance and and really living and breathing that so you're not it's not you know these aren't just words I think that that's how you how you behave and and live Uh, and I think by doing that you are I I hope I am a role model to other um, leaders and managers within the college and therefore you know for our students that's 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 what we do Um, so I think there is something about understanding your responsibility as a leader and I use the analogy often of of a football player, uh, one of our wonderful female football players at the moment. But actually, um, as a leader, your your the the strength of your kit is actually quite strong. So really, really use that carefully. You know, if you're passing a ball and you you tap it, it probably that ball's going to boot because you've got a lot of you know you have you've got a lot of power and 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 influence. So actually, understanding that 
tapping the foot, tapping the ball. Let's be, you know, just, just, you know, everything you do needs to be calm and, and therefore you will get the best out of people. Um, so I think that that's, you know, this is just a, an example of sort of a, a, a style and approach that I hope then sets a tone within an organization um, and, and, and helps that organization become perhaps a, a kinder one, a, a, you know, a, a more caring one, if you're exhibiting those values. I think that that's, that's a really important sort of principle. Am I living and breathing? Am I behaving in a way um, that, that I want other people to behave and pass that down, you know? And, and, and if we're not, let's challenge each other and let's understand why we're not and let's go back to basics on values. And, and, and we do that quite a lot. It's a journey, but we, we do do that quite a lot. And, and we're getting some quite positive feedback about uh, the, the culture uh, and there's always more to do. But I think that, that sense of making sure it's a place that I would have wanted to work in earlier in my career, would I have seen opportunity for myself uh, and and we can all always do more but i think that that those principles are really important yeah and i think having those principles and values means you're approaching it from a more centered point of view in terms of rather than thinking oh we need to have so many females here so many males or whatever it is in diversity and trace i'd like to just get your thoughts on that whole I call it sort of tick box sort of uh, scenarioing where people just tick boxes for, you know, board reports and we have, you know, women of color, we have women and all that type of thing. And and I, and I know why we have to push to, for targets and to try and create things. But for me, it's more about creating a, a behavioral change and cultural change in organization. What's your thoughts on that in terms of how you promote that sort of gender and sort of diversity within your organization? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this will actually resonate with um, what Rebecca has just said. But for us as an organisation and my role as a leader, the whole piece around diversity and inclusion um, is it's, it's a piece that's across the board. And it's difficult to disentangle it in one one particular area. So for us, one of our underpinning values is around equality. And that's kind of in all aspects of of the workplace. Um, And there might be very specific things in there, whether it's about flexible working policy, you know, accommodating where possible, you know, different start times, end times. Um, And we see that certainly within my organisation working at a local level. And I think where you have examples like that, what it does, you know, myself, I would have used that. But also it opens up those opportunities to other people to say, actually, this is possible. There are opportunities here that I may not have considered. So the whole piece around kind of the right person in the right role is important. But I think the the kind of equity around that is is equally important, as is the approach to it. And I think that touches upon the piece that Rebecca has already said around the kind of values, principles and and the culture. And certainly one of the things from an organisational point of view we've really tried to do is look at things like succession planning. And we've got lots of really good examples of people who moved into kind of senior posts um, across the organisation that act as really good positive role models. And one of the things, again, touching upon something Julie said that I think is important, actually, in the roles that we've got, it's, yes, there's the role modelling 
um, for, our, for our staff. But actually, equally important, it's our students. They are the next generation. And I think our students seeing, you know, those positive role models is, is a really important um, part of their journey too. And hopefully opening up opportunities that they may not have considered. And I guess just the kind of final piece on, on, on this for me is that one of the other things we've been really keen to do is to look at leaders and female leaders. And, you know, what does a, what does a leader look like? And sometimes there is, um, I guess, a myth that leaders are people at the top of the organisation and that you don't have them spread throughout. So one of the things that we've developed is a programme. What does an outstanding leader look like at West Thames College? And actually, it's about recognising those individuals at all levels of the organisation. And I think that's how you help to create that equity, that diversity, because it's starting at different levels and allowing people opportunities, whether that's career progression, developing new skills. So I think there's a whole range of things, a package of things that sit together within an organisation. And I think being in the fortunate position, you know, that three of us are in, you know, we are able to influence, persuade and steer. But I think you can do that in part because of the approach that you take to it in terms of bringing people in, getting people's buy-in. Thank you, Tracy. And you touched on, on about leadership and, and there's different styles of leadership, you know, in terms of, you know, servant leadership, autocratic leadership. Um, Julia, I'd like to get your thoughts on, is there a, a style that from a woman versus a man? Is there a different style, do you think, that comes from your experience, from yourself? And what are the benefits for that style, if there is a difference from your perspective uh, within an organisation, having a woman in leadership? It's interesting. I think in the last 10 years, I'm seeing sort of fewer really distinct differences. And, and like Rebecca reflected, actually, some, some of the people who have encouraged and supported and given me the most opportunities have, have been men, probably actually more, more than, than women, actually, if I, I, I reflect on it. And I think it it can be a bit dangerous sometimes to, to generalise and say there's this significant difference in, in, in style. Um, but I think I'd probably rather answer that by by what style of leadership do I think supports um, women or, or supports a more diverse leadership base. And I think it's about authenticity. Uh, and I think it's about being adaptive, which I think builds on, on what Tracy was saying as, as well. You know, I, for many years when my children were very young, I sort of had this kind of view that I almost, you know, didn't ever want my my world as a parent to cross with that, you know, in terms of work because people would judge me, you know, is she leaving early because of this? Or, mm-hmm. um, and actually, it, it it took working for somebody that that um, absolutely had the view, you know, family comes first. You should never, you know, be ashamed to say I'm I'm leaving early because it's sports day or it's mm-hmm. you know Christmas play. Uh, and in fact, you should be celebrate it and be, be talking about it because there'll be other people in the organisation that will be sat there thinking, I'd love to leave an hour early today to do this. And and actually, you know, there's always ways you, you can support people to do that. So mm. for me, that that level of authenticity is important, but also to, to be adaptive um, in, in your style. Uh, you know, when you're managing a lot of people directly and even more indirectly, you know, 
my style and way of doing things won't always be the same as, as other people's and it's finding that that ground um an example i would give um is the hours i work are sometimes a little bit odd because it fits in around you know my family so i will often mm. work very late at night and and at weekends and and that suits me i work better then but it doesn't mean i ever expect anybody to reply at that time and equally good luck if you send me an email at seven o'clock in the morning because you won't get a reply <laughs> from me so I think it's again but it's about communicating that so people understand your expectations and why you do that so I think probably yeah adaptive uh, and uh, an authentic would would be for for me and that's relevant whether you're male or female isn't it it doesn't yeah. matter and, and this is and it's interesting isn't it it's tapping into something that actually let's stop almost putting people into boxes yes we have we're of certain genders i appreciate that and all that that's even getting more blurred anyway um but actually just seeing people for who they really are what talent they bring how they bring it if the lungs are doing authentically that's all that matters and does that fit the criteria for whatever role this post is for then that's it it's difficult though because obviously people do carry barrett biases with them you know somebody walks into the room whether they are female the white, black, whatever it may be, there's a bias. And I'm, I'm just, uh, from, from Rebecca, from your point of view, have you have you ch- challenged yourself on that when you've ever been interviewing people from senior posts? And, and what are your thoughts on that? And how do you, I guess, tap into that and, mm. and that unconscious bias, I guess, that we, mm. we all have? We all um, have, yeah. And I think the first step is recognising you have. So whatever we do and say... And in our organisations, I think recognising all sorts of biases, prejudices, areas of behaviour that really we need to tackle. Um, The first thing is to recognise it, acknowledge it and challenge yourself. And I think um, let's take interviewing or recruitment. Actually, first of all, making sure that you've got a panel um, that is made up of, you know, a diverse panel as far as is possible and that you do challenge each other on making sure that what you're assessing is genuinely someone's experience, someone's uh, approach, and that you are really able to say, I think, you know, I think, I think we're perhaps, I, don't, I think we're judging that person because of a particular, maybe it's a, an accent or maybe, you know, whatever it might be. And, and being able to, to transcend, I suppose, um, you know, perhaps some, you know, all, all those biases where you can and look to that person and what are they going to bring. And you, you asked at the beginning of the podcast about whether, you know, there's always a danger that you recruit the people that you feel either are most like you or they're perhaps most like your best friend or whatever it is. And, and we're drawn to certain traits and actually, Uh, a leadership team made up of people with very different skills, very different approaches, can be so healthy for an organization. Mm. But the most fundamental part of that is that you're able to communicate, trust each other, and understand each other's differences and, 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 and move through them there will you know and not be afraid of of a bit of conflict but if that's respectful conflict uh you know mm-hmm. you're gonna well hopefully the decision or the outcome will be better because of it yeah and well, so you, more rebecca is that no that's sorry yeah that, can, that's, I, that's okay. can i share a rebecca moment rebecca will know this mm-hmm. so um before i'd even met rebecca I'd like, you know, our colleges at the time were quite close to each other and a bit rivals. And, and I walked into this, this meeting room and, and we were both there. 
And I'm really ashamed of this. And I learned from it when I reflected it. I kind of sat down and I wanted to scowl at you a bit, Rebecca. And I, and and you just smiled. And and that one thing in doing that just made me smile as well. And then I think, you know, within by the end of that day, we were possibly drinking a glass of wine together, possibly not, and and talking about how we could collaborate. But mm. I had not intentionally just sort of fallen into a trap of you know we were rivals and and and, you know I I learned a lot from you that that day in that reaction Mm. that 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 warmth in in, you know that you showed to me made me kind of think yeah I've got I've got a bit of an unconscious bias that I wasn't Mm. aware of Mm. and yeah I learned a lot from that small moment oh thank you a smile is a brilliant thing I learned that from my mother who has the most amazing megawatt smile and I probably grew up le- watching her diffuse almost anything not that we needed to diffuse anything Julie but but that sense of just being open and friendly and yeah here we are let's what 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 could happen here and I love the word co- you know collaborative and I think that picking up on the question about perhaps different leadership traits um actually and it's not just a female trait but but that sense of Let's work together. This sector's tough enough, you know, whether we're neighbouring colleges or not. What can we learn from each other? How can we help each other? Really, really important. And a trait, as I say, it does, it must, it must transcend gender because it's so important. But the more we do it, um, and the more we learn and grow, the stronger the sector becomes. And and actually we stop becoming an animal that eats itself in any kind of sector or industry and help each other. That's it's just got it's got to be the way forward. Completely agree on the collaboration front. And I think it's become a kind of an ever-growing area. And I don't know how it's been, you know, for for the areas that that both of you are in. I mean, geographically, but certainly I know from my own experience, that collaborative piece has become um, much more central and core to what we are doing. And you're absolutely right, Rebecca. It isn't a... Um, a trait attached to a gender, it's much more widespread than that. Um, And in order to really make a difference, that collaboration piece is absolutely essential. And not just within our sector, but it's when it starts extending out. So incorporating employers, partners, you know, other stakeholders. But the power of that, I think, is, is huge. And in some ways, I see some of that a bit like the networking piece, you know, what you can do through networking and together you know, you know, the thing about the sum of your parts being greater than the individual. I think the collaboration piece in many ways actually has some real parallels with, with networking. Mm. I really like, the, uh, Julia, when you, you honestly shared your, your, your bias with, with Rebecca and, and, but then learned from it. And I think it, it's, it's that, it, being aware, isn't it? We will have biases, which is okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's just what we've been experienced in our lives. Um, but then, you know, Rebecca said about how that, that diversity when you're, you know, if you're, you know, interviewing people have a, or have a diverse board, not that just it tick box, actually having a diverse board means you'll get different perspectives, different biases will really help you problem solve and create innovation mm-hmm. and ways forward as well. And, and also keep yourself in check when somebody sort of cuts across your bias that you didn't realize you had, because they've sort of shone a light on it in terms of what they've said so i think that's really really helpful um i'd like to just sort of explore just a, a few thoughts perhaps i don't know tracy want to share the challenges from a 
I guess a family thing. Julie, you touched on about how you manage your family. How did and, and this is? I'm not assuming you are the main family person, as it were, and I'm not assuming that. But just how you manage the whole family piece, working, and 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 how you how that works, and it, it can be challenging uh, in that. I just wonder, Tracy, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think absolutely. I think for me, from the very outset, one of the things that um, I've always done is put in place some parameters. And I've always been really clear with those, so some structures and some organisation, and that really helps me, but also helps from a family point of view and from a work point of view. So the organisation piece definitely helped. And from the very outset, when I've been thinking about next steps in my career, I've had the very open conversations with my husband about how this was going to work and how we were going to be equal partners in this. But I also then communicated that with my children and also back in the workplace so just to give you an example you know with with work I would say when I came back from maternity leave I would be leaving at this point in time I was very open with people this is what you can expect in these hours I will not be available six to late I will be with boys that will be their time I will communicate and get back to you afterwards um and so I've made it very clear, I think, what the expectations were and how I was going to work. And actually, I think by doing that, that really helped others as well, thinking actually that's okay. We we can do that and you can make it work. So I think you have to you have to be open with what you're doing and recognize that things might need to be done differently. And that there is some flexibility. And I think that goes for both, you know, that's male, female. So for me, it was about putting those parameters in place. Um, And also then from my children's point of view, they were also very clear. This is my time. This this is when, you know, we've got things to do as a family. So there was a time in the evenings. And then we we carved out time at weekends, Sundays. Um, As a family, we all did rugby. So I coached one team that my son played in. My husband coached the other team that my other son played in. And that was family time. It's things that we did together. So I think having those structures in place really helped me to, to kind of manage that balance because what I wasn't prepared to do was to compromise on my family um, for the sake of, of my role. But equally, I didn't want to commit myself to a job that I couldn't give 100% to. I would rather not do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, with best laid plans, there are always times that that would, you know, you would deviate from that. And that's OK um, to know that happens. And to kind of to reflect on that, to learn from that. But every time my children, for example, might go, Mom, are you on your phone? And it was at a particular point in time. And I'd have to check myself, actually, yeah, sorry, do you know what? That that can go to one side. That's not the that's not, you know, the kind of focus for right now. So I think the getting getting that balance right is important. Um, and I think that balance looks different for different people. And I would certainly, you know, say to people, what does it look like for you and what needs to be in place in order for you to achieve that? What needs to be in place, I guess, from a personal point of view? And also, what do you need to see from a workplace point of view to make those two things come together and make it make it doable? And I, I do also um, think that other people seeing that you're able to create that balance, I really hope gives other people some motivation to say, actually, do you know what? 
if if that person can do it when well, then actually maybe I can maybe maybe there is a chance for me to do it so I really hope that again it's part of that um role modeling but I do think there is also a point in your life at which you know your priorities might be in a particular place so I know for me when I was thinking about roles actually I got to a point where I thought yeah my children of a particular age now I feel like I can commit putting those structures in place made it possible where there might have been other points where I thought you know what the timing is just not right for me at this point in time it doesn't mean never but it does mean 12 months down the line that's what I'm going to look to do. And I think society and organizations have got far more flexible now in terms of managing that sort of family and yeah. it's seemed as a a positive be transparent being open and, and allowing people to male or female to go off early and all that sort of stuff and i think it's uh, but i think there's still still the pressure there and i think the roles you all play uh, you're, you're quite pivotal in terms of decision making you're quite mm -hmm. um you have to be present at certain things and that can put some pressure on can't it in terms of events you know certain events you probably have to be the one heading it up because you are the ceo and therefore there's no other option for you to be there and that can be a sacrifice in some ways of you know opportunities with your family and and events and christmas plays and all that sort of stuff um just before we finish i'd, I'd love to get each one of you just to share uh i guess if you're going to give one piece of advice to sort of budding female leaders or female to be aspiring leaders uh, what will be your one advice? And I'll, and I'll start with uh, Julie, if you're okay to jump in on that and then go with Tracy and then finish with you, Rebecca. Well, as you know, I like breaking rules, so I'm going to have two. Uh, <laughs> first is, is to find a really good mentor um, to support you. And I also passionately believe in reverse mentoring. And you will find that, you know, you learn both ways in a strong mentoring relationship. I've learned more from my reverse mentee than I think she'd ever uh, learn from me uh, but the second which builds on that is to build your network of of people you know it, it's tough sometimes be, being in a leadership role really tough and having those people that you can reach out to you know whether it's a shoulder to cry on whether it's a piece of advice um, whether it's just being able to find, you know, something crazy that happened at, at the weekend that you can just laugh about that's nothing to do with work, mm. having that group of, of trusted people, really trusted people that you can share those, those things with is key at every step along the way because there's always difficult decisions to be made. You know, is it the right time for me? Uh, should I put my hat in the ring? So, so that network of people, find them build them and support them because they will support you too. Thank you, Judy. Tracy. Yeah, I would say if it's something you're passionate about and motivated by, then go for it. Yes, there may be pitfalls along the way, but we learn from these. And I think these are the things that make us stronger, in my opinion, I think better leaders. And I'd also say stay true to yourself Yes, we have adaptive leadership and there are things that you need to change, but don't fundamentally change who you are. Being authentic is, is so powerful. And then I think finally the piece for me would just be honest and, and don't underestimate the importance of good communication. 
Don't be afraid to ask for help because we never stop learning and it's not a sign of weakness. It's what makes us grow and it's how how we continue to achieve and, and to be successful. So, you know, put that imposter syndrome to one side. You know in yourself there is something you've got an enthusiasm about. I would say go for it. And thinking about all the support structures that Julie referred to that you put in place. Thank you, Tracy. Rebecca? Right, I've got to as well. We're breaking all the rules, Julian. You're um, so rebellious. You really are. I know, so rebellious. You really are. So, and in fact, I could, you could almost say three. But firstly, I think learn to say yes and to say no. So, say yes to opportunity. Say yes when things you went in your, perhaps you're feeling a little bit jumpy about something, um, but say yes to things that are going to give you opportunities and, and that you'll grow from and learn from and just do it the lead in sort of model, but also learn to say no. And Tracy mentioned boundaries, but have your boundaries and be really clear on what you will and won't do and, and, and practice that. And, you know, whether you use the word no, or whether you, 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 you practice some other language that feels more comfortable, but be really clear on what you will and won't do. And finally, look after yourself. Um, because we've described um, at various points, working all hours, fitting things round and putting all, you know, and, and, and actually, I think the sort of um, the superwoman that can do it all. Yes, I'm sure we've all been that, that those people at times, but you will burn out if you're not careful. Put your, you know, make make sure you've got time for yourself. I like a little bit of roller skating now and again. Make sure you make sure you build in time for the things that you love and that are going to make you feel um, yourself. And then your is the sort of the um, put your you get what, what's it called your oxygen mask on. Then you're able then to support others. And I think that 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 they yeah those three pieces. If somebody had said that to me maybe 15 years ago, I hope I would have really taken that on board and uh, mm. and might have avoided a little bit of uh, a little bit of burnout along the way. But um, yeah, that's certainly what I do now. Excellent. All, all good advice. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on this uh, episode and sharing your your wisdom, your thoughts, the challenges you face and how you've overcome them. And uh, I think there's the, the stacks in that. And we probably could carry on for, for a number of hours talking about this, I'm sure. But so thank you, Judy. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, really appreciated you coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Julian. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.